If you'd open your Bibles with me this morning to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, although we will focus on verse 17, we will take a look at the entire first part of the chapter. My question for you this morning to begin with is, what are you known for? If someone else were to identify you, what would you be known for? Well, they might start with, you know, a description of you, your physical appearance, if that's what, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's that guy. Or maybe if the question was about what did you do for a living, oh, I didn't know he did that. Or maybe, and this is the one we don't talk about as much, your character. We most often talk about who we are and what we do and our interests and those sort of things. And matter of fact, social media gives us a good glimpse at that. When somebody describes themselves on their, I guess TikTok has those sort of things. I don't have TikTok, but you know, Instagram or like my Twitter, I describe myself on Twitter as a Jesus follower, a family lover, a joyful pastor, a thoughtful rider, a specialized, that's my brand of bicycle rider, a Volvo driver, an Oreo eater, Mm -hmm. a golden doodle master, and an exceptional sleeper. You just you guys haven't seen when somebody else preaches and I fall asleep in the pew, right? I can do it. No. How would you identify yourself? Well, it depends on the context of the question and it depends on who you're talking to, but again, most often we identify ourselves by what we do, not so much by who we are. But what we're going to talk about today is our Second value as a church, our first value we talked about last week, Bible engagement, that the number one thing we as believers in Jesus ought to be doing is hearing or reading the Bible regularly, engaging scripture that it might change us. But our second value as a church is a worshipful lifestyle. Worship is all we do because it's who we are. My life is worship. Say that with me, everybody. My life is worship. That what you do demonstrates who you are. And your life in itself is worship. We've got our um, statement, what we identify as our value for Southview. That knowing that worship is more than what we do together on Sunday morning. We live in daily submission to God. Pray at all times and willingly serve Him. And a constant attitude of worship leads to personal humility. Those phrases, those words, and those statements you'll see woven even through the scripture we read and study today. Life together will be our strategic theme for 2022. As we emphasize life together, and next week I'll talk about intentional relationships and we'll bring out the Polaroid cameras again if your picture is not up on the bulletin board there and you want to have it up there with hobbies that you have. And the reason we did that, of course, is so that we might get people together outside of Sunday morning. Pastor Nathan a few months ago taught us what we called after church because living life together 24-7, 365 was too long of a title for a seminar, but we called it after church. The idea is, as believers in Jesus, we come together in fellowship with one another to encourage one another and to know one another, and it happens more than just what we do on Sunday morning and on Wednesday night. Our lives are worship. Let's go then to Colossians 3.17 and read that one simple verse, and then we'll talk at length about it and illustrate it with others. 
It says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3.17. Now I'll make a hard right turn from Colossians 3.17 to a question for you. Do any of you drive differently when a police officer is behind you? I guess from your laughter, you must, right? You know that feeling that you're driving along and, you know, you're just driving and maybe you didn't stop all the way at the light or the stop sign. Maybe you're going over the speed limit. Maybe you didn't signal as you changed lanes and all of a sudden you see a police officer behind you. And I need to ask our law enforcement brethren in the room if they know we all do this because maybe they do it as well, but we're not going to ask for a response now. And, you know, you kind of drive like this. I whistle. When I get nervous, I whistle. Bob, if you see me driving and whistling, there must be a police officer behind me. You know, so I'm, I'm driving kind of deliberately casual, like, hey, I'm not doing anything. It's okay. Of course, you're checking your speed. You're looking in your mirrors to make sure if I got enough space to signal to change lanes. And, and, and then when you turn and the police officer follows you, do you get a little more worried? Yeah, because you're thinking, oh, what did I do wrong? Is he coming after me? They know something, and we behave differently when we know that someone is watching us. The same thing happens when we're in school, and, you know, it's one thing you're cutting up in the back of your classroom, but when your teacher looks around the other kids and sees you, you're like, I better straighten up. Or worse yet, when you're back there and the teacher's walking around the class, and you're like, I'm going to act like I'm doing what I'm supposed to now. There's something about our nature as humans, that when we know we maybe did, or when we know we absolutely did something wrong, we want to hide it. We're ashamed of it. And we want to do something differently or behave differently. Which leads me to the question of, why don't we feel that way about God all the time? You know, your teacher may be watching you this long. The police officer may be behind you for a mile. But God knows your every action God knows your every word. God knows your every thought. He knows the motives of your heart. Yet, we don't treat him with such respect and awe. Your first point on your outline says that everything we do contributes to a worshipful lifestyle. Everything we do contributes to a worshipful lifestyle. It's all of our life together contributes to that worshipful lifestyle. Our scripture says... And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, all means all. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, in thought or action or motive of the heart, anything we do contributes to our worshipful lifestyle. God's watching us all the time. All of our actions demonstrate where our hearts are. All of our actions demonstrate our character. All of our words show those things. Which leads to the practices in verses 12 through 16. The best thing to do when you study Scripture, of course, is to study Scripture in context. And so the context of this verse, verse 17, verses 12 through 16, help us understand it. So your question there is which practices in verse 12 through 16 do I need to work on? Which practices in verses 12 through 16 do I need to work on? So let's read through those together. Verse 12 says, therefore, as God's chosen people, now time out, 
The therefore means we should have read the stuff before that. We're going to get there in a minute. We're working backwards, basically, through this scripture. But therefore, as God's chosen people, so you're not just anybody. This is written to followers of Jesus, those who have already trusted Jesus as their Savior. And holy and dearly loved, that's qualifying who you are as God's chosen people. He didn't just choose you and said, okay, I'm going to choose him and set him on the shelf and forget about him. You are holy, set apart, sanctified, and you are dearly loved. In other words, that relationship goes on on with God through Jesus and by the Holy Spirit. And then we get the first thing we should do or practice. Clothe yourselves with compassion. Clothe yourself with compassion. I don't know about you. Sometimes it's hard to be compassionate. Depends on the person. Depends on the situation. Depends on how I'm feeling that day. Depends on my Experience with people like that or situations like that in the past that would cause me to prejudice myself against someone like that or in a situation like that. But what does God's word say to us? It says, clothe yourself with compassion. Be willing to give grace to somebody, to desire to help somebody, to spend yourself on behalf of somebody. Compassion. And then that list of things we should clothe ourselves with goes on in verse 12. Kindness. Kindness. Kindness is how we should relate to that person. It says humility. That we think of ourselves not more. We don't think less of ourselves, but we think of ourselves less. That's a good definition of humility. Gentleness. The manner in which we relate to people is gentle and patient. These are all good character qualities that we should clothe ourselves with. In other words, when somebody looks at you, they should see these things. And though they might identify you by your job or your hair color or something else definitive about you, in their mind, they know that this is who you are. And so even though I said these are things we do, that's a whole list, clothing ourselves with good character. Verse 13 goes on. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Now, that's actually two different practices we should have. The first is forbearance, that you have patience with somebody, that you persevere with somebody, that you don't give up on somebody, even though you might feel like it. That one's hard for us sometimes, but the next one, forgiveness, may be even harder because of who they are, what they've done, how often they've done it, How often they said they won't do it anymore, but they still did it. How often you forgave them, but they still did it again. But as believers in Jesus, we're supposed to practice forgiveness. We're supposed to forgive as the Lord forgave us. And it says in verse 14, and over all these virtues put on love. So we're to clothe ourselves with these virtues, these practices of followers of Jesus, but over all them put on love, that love is encompassing of all these. It's because we love that we practice these different virtues. And then it says in verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Early this morning, I got a message from some family friends that... um, Her mother was life flighted from Geneva to Bryan East and they don't expect her to make it. Could I come to the hospital? And as I had the privilege to stand there this morning beside that family 
the three daughters and the husband, with the unresponsive mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother laying in the bed. I just felt such a sense of peace. You know, sometimes peace isn't the absence of conflict. There was conflict in that room because this lady is probably going to pass away today. And many people will be brokenhearted because of it. But there was a sense of peace because they knew that she belonged to Jesus. I knew she belonged to Jesus. We talked about their hope in Jesus and eternity, and there was peace. And as believers in Jesus, we should be able to have peace in any given situation. Why does it say? Because you are called to peace. What's it say in the end of verse 15? Be thankful. Thankfulness ought to be a practice of believers in Jesus. I talked to you a couple weeks ago about a thankful list and thinking of all the things God has blessed you with and counting your blessings. And then verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. I think the practice there would be admonishing. That when we come together, or even outside of here on Sunday morning, all through the week, that as believers in Jesus, we have Scripture in us. We have a song in our mind, in our heart, and it can come out at any given time, and we can use that to encourage, admonish, strengthen other believers in Jesus. That's a practice of who we are because everything we do should be a worshipful lifestyle. So even though you may be a school teacher, you are a school teacher that does it with gentleness and compassion and forgiveness and peace. And even though you may be a stay-at-home mom, you're a stay-at-home mom that does it with love and admonishing through Scripture and thankfulness. No matter your job, no matter how you might be described, your lifestyle is one of worship. My life is worship. As we move to our second point, I've got a question for you. Do any of you ever pretend to be something you're not? You know, like when I try to act cool and I'm not. Or when I try to act funny and I'm not. Now you should at least laugh at that. Ha ha ha. Thank you. (laughs) Somebody did. I try really hard to be funny. I just don't have that natural ability. It doesn't come out. And so when I pretend to be something I'm not, you all know it. It shows. When you pretend to be something you're not, other people know it. When you think about that list of things we should practice from verses 12 through 16 as a follower of Jesus, if you're like me, you kind of go, man, Aaron. That stuff is so hard. Why am I supposed to do this stuff? How am I supposed to be this way? What in the world would God ask me to do all these things? I'm not compassionate. Kindness to that guy? Are you kidding me? Humility? When I'm relating to her? No way. Forgiveness out of the question. Let me remind you of this, brothers and sisters. You're not supposed to do these things on your own. These practices are supernatural. 
They come through you by the Holy Spirit in you because you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, because you fill yourself with God's Word and His songs, and then it comes out in your life because that becomes who you are, that you must decrease and Christ must increase. As John the Baptist said in John 3.30, it starts with your surrender and emptying yourself of self in order that Christ might fill you up with His character. And as His character comes into you, it changes the way you behave. Let's look at our second point there. Christ-like character is central to a worshipful lifestyle. So I just told you all these things that you should do, these practices from verses 12 through 16, and then we come to not just who you do, but who you are. Christ-like character is who you are. And if you ask yourself a question, which of those character traits from verses 12 through 15 challenges you the most? Is it compassion you struggle with? Maybe kindness? Maybe humility or gentleness? You're not a gentle person by nature. Maybe it's patience or forbearance. Maybe it's love or peace. Maybe it's thankfulness. And you might say, wait a second. Pastor, you had seven practices. Now we have nine different character traits you got to be kidding me. I would just say stop pretending and start surrendering. Stop pretending that you can do all these things on your own. Because on your own, you don't have the capacity to love the way that God would have you love. On your own, you don't have the capacity to have the depth of compassion that God would have you to reach. On your own, you don't have the ability to have the patience and the forbearance that God has for you. On your own, you don't have the ability to have the peace that God seeks to provide you. And it says to me, when I don't have these things, it's because I'm trying to do them on my own. If these are practices, if these are character traits, which God seeks to have me live out, then he's going to give them to me. So let me say that again. Stop pretending. Stop pretending and start surrendering. Stop pretending to live the Christian life on your own and start surrendering to Jesus. Let Jesus live through you. Stop pretending. Start surrendering. Because your life is worship. As we move to our third point this morning, I've got a question for you here too, and that's this. Think about the last time you were surprised. Think about the last time you got a gift that you were like, wow, I didn't see this coming. How amazing. Think about the last time somebody did something for you that just took your breath away and you were like, whoa. In my life, uh, maybe it's not the last time, but it's a good illustration. About two years ago, When it was near my 50th birthday, we had a soccer game in Omaha, and we were given a ride to one of John Mark's friends. So as I'm driving up my street, I noticed there was a lot of cars on the street, but I was looking for the car of the mother of the young man we were giving a ride to, her white SUV. And so I'm looking, and so I didn't make anything of all the cars in the street. I pull into my driveway, and Mr. Cecil Holloman is walking up. And I said, hey, Mr. Cecil, you just coming over for a visit? 
because he's Mr. Cecil and he's friendly and we love him. And so I kind of gave Mr. Cecil a hug and we walked into my garage and opened the door and there was about half of all of you going, surprise, because it was my surprise 50th birthday party and I had no clue. If you were there, you saw my face, right? You know that face. And we've got a great picture of me standing there like, oh, and Mr. Cecil's right behind me like this. (laughs) Yeah. The reason I ask you that is to think about when you're thankful, when you're grateful. There was a point in time in that visit after I greeted everybody that I just sat in the chair in the corner of our living room and I just sat there and smiled because loving faces of yours were in my house and more than you being in my house, you were in my life and I had such joy and such thankfulness, such gratefulness because we're brothers and sisters in Jesus. We belong to this church together. And that leads me to this third and final point for us today. Gratefulness is the foundation of a worshipful lifestyle. Gratefulness is the foundation of a worshipful lifestyle. Let's go back to verse 17. It said, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That was the character part that we talked about a minute ago. That's the being part because it's in Jesus name. That means according to Jesus character that we do these things. But look at the very last phrase of verse 17. Give thanks to God the Father through Him. The key to unlock these practices of Christ-likeness, the key to unlock the character of Christ-likeness is in that very last phrase. Do it all by giving thanks to God the Father through him gratefulness thankfulness appreciation contentment all come from a heart of humility it's the foundation of all christian character is humility because if you have humility you can get anything else if you're humble enough to know that you need to ask god's help for this that or the other you'll get that if you're humble enough to ask god's help to fill in the blanks of your life he'll do it but it all starts with humility Which takes us back to verses 1 through 4 in our third question. According to verses 1 through 4, what can I be thankful? Or excuse me, why can I be thankful? Verse 1 there tells us, Since then you have been raised with Christ, so you're no longer who you are as a human in sin that is destined for eternity in hell. You are raised with Christ. We know that we will ultimately be raised in eternity when we die or when Christ returns and we go back to heaven. But we're raised in our character. We're raised in our position even now as heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. And then it says, set your hearts on things above. So since you are raised, set your hearts on things above. In other words, don't be consumed with the things of this world. Be consumed with these character qualities, with these practices that God calls us to. And it says, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, reminding us that we are like Christ, therefore we should be with Christ in mind and character and practice and in worship. Verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So it's not just our heart's affection, it's our mind's attention on God. 
Verse 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. The old is gone, the new has come. You've been born again if you're a believer of Jesus. If you're not yet a believer in Jesus, you can do that today. Whether you're in the room or you're online, you can admit to God you're a sinner. You can believe that Jesus is God's son and you can confess him as your Savior and Lord, just like that, ABC. Verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In those four verses, you have who you were, separated from God, separated from Christ, alone in the world. Who you became, an heir and a joint heir with Jesus, elevated with Christ. And what you should do because of where you're going, eternity in heaven. And that's why we can be thankful. Because I'm no longer on my own. I'm no longer lost in sin. I am saved. I am redeemed. I have hope here in this life. But I have hope for eternal life as well. And that drives me to humility. And that humility drives me to thankfulness. And that thankfulness drives me to say, I can let Jesus be all these things through me. All these practices, whatever you do, whether in word or deed. All these character traits, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. It all comes because surrender. So you've got three application questions there. The first one is, how can I live more worshipfully? If we're supposed to live a life of worship, and we've heard all these practices and heard all these character traits, what do you need to do? The second question is, what must I do differently? Maybe you need to spend more time in God's word or spend more time in prayer, or spend more time serving others that would remind you of your need for thankfulness, remind you of your need for humility. And then out of that humility and thankfulness, all these other things will flow. And the third question is, whose help do I need? Intentional relationships is the value we'll talk about next week. Life together is our strategic emphasis for 2022. Trust me, God did not intend you to be the person He calls you to be in these pages on your own. He wants you to do it with one another. With somebody that's in this room, with somebody that's online, or another believer in Jesus that you have a relationship with now or you're soon to have a relationship with. Because if you ask Him, He's going to lead you to it. Leads us to our January Scripture. And that January scripture tells us, let's read it together. Psalm 119, 35, direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Psalm 119, 35, that scripture tells us, it reminds us that when we follow God's word, his commands, as his children, We'll have delight. That delight, that also comes from humility. That also comes from thankfulness, realizing whose we are and what he's done for us and how it makes a difference in our life. Let's pray together. God, our Father, um, to thank that this study this morning, this passage of scripture leads us to simple something simple as thankfulness gratefulness 
appreciation that flows from humility, realizing that we didn't earn it, we couldn't deserve it, but because of your great love, you gave us grace and you gave us mercy and you saved us. And so, Father, because of what you have done for us, it changes what we want to do for you. And so our prayer, God, is that you would build in us a worshipful lifestyle rooted in that soil of thankful humility. Because everything we do is worship. So, Father, we thank you that you're present with us by your Holy Spirit. We ask that you move among us now and that you would change any heart. Whatever we need to surrender, we would surrender. Whatever we need to confess, we would confess. Where we need to turn and repent, we would repent in the name of Jesus. And if anybody here needs to trust Jesus as their Savior, they'd do that today too. We pray it in his name.